in the Lord Jesus, that as you received from us how you should conduct yourselves to please God, and as you are conducting yourselves, you do so even more. For you know what instructions we gave to you through the Lord Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, there will be signs in the sun, the moon and the stars, and on earth nations will be in dismay, perplexed by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will die of fright in anticipation of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these signs begin to happen, stand erect and raise your heads, because your redemption is at hand. Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life, and that day catch you by surprise like a trap. For that day will assault everyone who lives on the face of the earth. Be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulations that are imminent and to stand before the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Do please ensure you take a bulletin and and read it carefully, just to draw your attention to the Holy Day of Obligation that falls this coming Saturday, the uh, Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Do please make sure that you get to attend Mass uh, either next Friday evening or Saturday morning for the uh, Immaculate Conception, in addition to uh, the Mass on either Saturday evening uh, or Sunday morning. Before the final blessing today, we'll listen to a message from Bishop Sample about the Year of Faith. Should actually have been played a few weeks ago. There are some problems in the the, de- the delivery of the CD, um, but the first Sunday of Advent is uh, certainly appropriate time to listen to his message about the year of faith, particularly as it concerns repentance. And um, liturgy schedules are available for those who uh, assist in in liturgical ministry in the parish. And also, as you I hope you all know, 
the, there's the spaghetti luncheon after mass, um, which is uh, to raise funds in aid of the March for Life, and there's a silent auction and, of a quilt and other, other nice items there as well. So do come along downstairs after mass and join us for the, um, for the luncheon. Well, one might find today's gospel a little surprising for this joyful season uh, of Advent. It kind of has uh, an apocalyptic tone. Not that the word apocalypse is a bad word, it simply means revelation. But we kind of associate it with end times and terrible things that are going to happen. And we indeed read in the gospel today our Lord warning about signs in the heavens, about dismay in the nations, about perplexity and people dying of fright you know so this is a you know why is the church giving us this message on the first sunday of advent uh, in the in the year c well it's to warn us really that anyone who sets his store by the passing things of this world is going to be dismayed and we need to look really about where it's where our heart is set throughout history Nations have sought to impose tyranny, and those tyrannical regimes have ultimately crumbled. You see, the world is passing. Rulers have sought to silence the church, and the church has always had her martyrs who have ensured that the witness to the faith will continue, even though many might fall away. The martyrs, those witnesses, remain faithful, and so the faith lives on. You know, one day the Lord will come again, and there will be those found ready, and there will be those who are taken by surprise. You know, one of the things we are reminded to pray for, at least we used to be, and I remember being reminded to pray for, and I hope you do, is to pray that we may be preserved from a sudden and unprovided death. So death should not be sudden for us or unprovided, and neither should the end of the world, if we happen to be around when the end of the world comes and Jesus comes again, neither should that be sudden for us. For some people, Jesus' coming is a future event to either hope it's not too soon or to say, well, as long as I'm ready by then. But for us, really, we should ensure that Jesus is coming is now. It's an eternal now. It's difficult for us sometimes to see that because we live in time. There's even a talk of, you know, will the end of the world be on December 12th when the Mayan calendar runs out? It's totally the wrong way of looking at it because we should be living with our minds in eternity. The coming of Jesus is now. Why? Because he's always with us. God is always with us. When I went with some others of the parish to, on that pilgrimage to the Holy Hills Basilica, the shrine there in, in Wisconsin, um, it was a great grace for me because I discovered a new saint that I had heard about but never really had entered into her, her life. Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity, whose feast day it was that day when we were there and about whom the priest the Carmelite priest, Blessed Elizabeth was a Carmelite, about whom he preached so beautifully. Blessed Elizabeth said this, Heaven is where God is. God is in my soul, therefore heaven is in my soul. And in this season of Advent, we could try perhaps to enter more deeply 
into the heaven of our souls, which is where we will truly find God. And as our Lord tells us today in the Gospel, not to let our hearts become drowsy, paradoxically, the way of preventing that spiritual drowsiness is actually probably to close the eyes of our flesh so that we may see better with the eyes of our soul. Because if we close our eyes, you might just like to try it for a few seconds, if we close our eyes, we're no longer looking at all the things around us. We are kind of forced, as it were, to look within us. And we are forced to see what we find there. And hopefully, we go there to find God. Because in in our souls, in a state of grace, that is where God is. He dwells there. Of course, he is to be found in his creation, but more, more importantly, he is to be found within our souls in grace. On the contrary, to be always immersed in what is going on around us and what, we have our eyes wandering and seeing what's going on and wanting to be always aware of all those things that are going on, to be living on the outside is what the Lord likens to carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life. I haven't been out late enough at night to know what kind of carousing goes on in this town of Gwyn uh, at night time. But uh, the Lord isn't referring to that. It's this anxiety of life, of being concerned with the things that are going on around instead of that interior life that we are called to develop. Things that go into the body can have a good or a bad effect on both body and soul. And Origen, an early ecclesiastical writer, speaks about the drunkenness that our Lord refers to in the Gospel today, when he says, Drunkenness is destructive in all things. It weakens the soul together with the body. The body and the soul are destroyed at the same time. The spirit is is corrupted equally with the flesh. All the members are weakened. The feet and the hands, the tongue is loosened, darkness covers the eyes, forgetfulness covers the mind, so that one does not know himself, nor does he perceive he is a a person. These are the effects of drunkenness that Origen describes. Something that goes into the body that harms both body and soul. On the other hand, it's possible for things to go into the body which are good for us, good for body and soul. And even on another hand, it's possible by deliberately weakening the body to strengthen the soul. And this is a grace that we can ask for this Advent. Indeed, it's what our Lord has asked us to pray for in the Gospel today. Be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulations that are imminent and to stand before the Son of Man. This strength is what enables St. Thomas More, to whom I referred last week, to, uh, to withstand the tribulations of the Reformation. Thomas More was a man of daily prayer, of frequent communion, and a man of penance, who weakened the body to strengthen the soul. He wore a hair shirt, which he sought to conceal, and was rather ashamed when once it appeared above his, his collar and uh, members of his family saw it. He wore that hair shirt next to his skin every day of his life, and he only surrendered it once the sentence of death had been passed against him uh, and his, his execution had been set. Then he removed that hair shirt 
and consigned it to his most beloved daughter, Margaret. But that's what gave him the strength to be faithful when so many others were deserting the church. Or yesterday, there was another English martyr's anniversary, St. Edmund Campion, who died on December 1st, 1581. He, in fact, was a Protestant and had been training for the Protestant ministry, and then he converted to the Catholic faith and uh, continued training to be a Catholic priest and joined the Jesuits and trained in France and went over to England knowing that he would die. But he gained that strength because he wanted, he, he desired that interiority, that life with God as being something far more important than the life of the world around him. All our strength comes from God and we must seek him where he is to be found, deep in our souls in grace and where God is, there is heaven, as Blessed Elizabeth teaches. And heaven is beyond judgment. We get to heaven after judgment. And as we deepen in prayer, we will experience a constant judgment of our souls because we will be in more in the presence of God. And we become more aware of our misplaced affections, of those anxieties of the world that are distracting us from God. And that constant cycle of judgment that we will experience in prayer and the confession of our sins through the sacrament of reconciliation will lead to a never deeper experience of heaven even here on earth as we encounter Jesus more intimately in our souls. Now I want to just conclude with some words of Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity uh, in which she speaks about the praise of glory which is a phrase from St. Paul. Uh, how our lives are supposed to pr be a praise of glory. And she wrote, uh, she wrote these words. A praise of glory is a soul that lives in God, that loves him with a pure and disinterested love, without seeking itself in the sweetness of this love, that loves him beyond all his gifts, and even though it would not have received anything from him, it desires the good of the object, that is God, thus loved. A praise of glory is a soul of silence that remains like a lyre under the mysterious touch of the Holy Spirit, so that he may draw from it divine harmonies. It knows that suffering is a string that produces still more beautiful sounds, so it loves to see this string on its instrument, that it may more delightfully move the heart of its God. A praise of glory is a soul that gazes on God in faith and simplicity, it is a reflector of all that God is. It is like a bottomless abyss into which he can flow and expand. It is also like a crystal through which God can radiate and contemplate all his perfections and his own splendor. Fin finally, a praise of glory is one who is always giving thanks. Each of her acts, her movements, her thoughts, her aspirations, at the same time that they are rooting more, her more deeply in love, are like an echo of the eternal sanctus.